Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Namaste. You are now in the Funk Soul Cafe, a cool, hot, soulful radio show for artists, writers, and so much more, hosted by yours truly, Robert Batista. So sit back, grab a nice, warm, and soulful cup of java or chai, and listen and enjoy. I've always been passionate about storytelling and impressed by the influence it has on people and the decisions they make in life. I love engaging with projects I work on, diving headfirst into the research, investigation, and production of stories I feel are worth writing about. My books are based in reality, short, easy to read, with characters that you can identify with, care about, and root for. I am thankful you have decided to come with me on this journey. These are the revealing words of today's special guest, author Jason Hershey. Namaste, Jason Hershey, and welcome to the Funk Soul Cafe. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure having you, Jason. Jason, let's first start off by taking your Java order. We have a wonderful variety of fine espressos, cappuccinos, and lattes, and we also have herbal teas for those tea lovers. So what's your fancy, Jason? I would like a French vanilla cappuccino with some whipped cream. Wow, that sounds like a fantastic choice. Let me go ahead and get that for you. And here you go. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Thank you. You're welcome. Jason, welcome to the show. One of the first questions I love to ask is, looking back, at what moment in your life did you get the itch to be an author? And what was the first thing you did to scratch that itch? I think I've always 
been interested in telling stories and entertaining people. I, I think I consider myself more a storyteller than I do an author. Um, I remember back in like second and third grade, you know, just making up poems and, and stories and never, never novels, just real quick stories, get the teachers, get the kids involved, um, trying to, you know, enter the, you know, all the writing contests I could. Um, it's just always been something that's in me. I love the art of just taking people with you on a journey and getting them to see something through your eyes. You know, you're right. Um, and me as well, uh, started as a storyteller back when I was a, a kid and I uh, wrote poetry. Uh, do you remember some of the poems you wrote uh, back in the kid? Do you remember what they were about? Um, you know what? I don't remember. I, I remember I, I've always been able to, and maybe it's my empathy, whatever it is, I've always been able to put myself in somebody else's shoes. So one of the ones that always sticks out was when I was maybe 12 or 13, I wrote a poem as if I was like a soldier coming back from war. And it always stuck with me. I don't remember what the words were or anything like that, but I remember really going through it in my head and starting to get emotional as I, I think it was like, like the Vietnam area era when like the soldiers came back and people were like yelling at them and were mad and that kind of thing. And I was trying to put myself in, how would that feel as you were here risking your life for a cause that to you, to me, to the character seemed important. And then you come back and the people you were fighting for, you know, because of the times it, I remember getting emotional as I was writing it. And it was at that point that I realized that I could put myself in situations that maybe I haven't been able to experience, but I can make it seem real and I can make people connect with it. Jason, your latest book, To Die to Live, seems like a fantastic read. What's it about, and where did this story germinate from in your head? Uh, it, it's about a a kid. His name is Theo uh, Thelonious. Um, and basically, he, he goes through some rough times as he's growing up. His uh, He has some tragedy. He's adopted by his aunt and uncle, and he's kind of thrust into a, a high school world that he's not used to. And it it deals with, you know, him trying to navigate his way through this, um, like, new world, trying to navigate different, I don't know if it's necessarily cultures, but a different way of life than what he's used to. Um, and the, the process and the growth that he goes through and the connections he makes, um, it's kind of a product of my upbringing um, a product of people I grew up with, experiences that I had that they had. And then some of it is just fiction that I just made up to fit into the story. So it's kind of, it sprung from within. I'm, I'm very connected to Theo. I see a lot of myself in Theo. But at the same time, I, I think a lot of people can see themselves in Theo. So it's very universal in just the struggle for acceptance and to, to make your mark on the world. Well, as a jazz aficionado that I am, could you name the character after Theonalist Monk? 
That is exactly who I named it after. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I love jazz. I love my, my Dizzy Gillespie and that kind of stuff and my Miles oh, Davis. Yeah. Cold um, train. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I mean, I listen to everything, but I, I, I think I'm rooted more in, you know, my, my jazz and my old, like, down south blues um, music speaks to me, and I think it's the storytelling that goes along with it, the improvisation that goes along with it. Um, I wanted a name that was different. I didn't want to name the character Billy or Tommy. I wanted something different, and (laughs) the jazz jazz kind of evolved as just a way to kind of connect the two characters. It doesn't play a gigantic role in the story, but it's pivotal and it's kind of important to make that connection between people from two different worlds coming together over their love of music and that kind of stuff and the the desire to learn more about what it is. <clears throat> yeah, I'm of the school that names of your characters are very, very important. And I'm the same way. I think a lot, uh, and I really, really go over a lot of thought before I name my character. So, Jason, I love your book's title. Was this the original title from the beginning, or did you play around with others before picking this one? You know what? It was funny. I wrote it as when it was – I write – my first draft is very old school. It's very pen and paper. I write it all down pen and paper. I just put it down you know, notebooks full of just the story. Um, And as I was writing it, and then, well, I do that. Then my second draft when I'm typing it, um, which seems redundant, but that's when I start to edit it and do that. So when I first started typing it, as my first draft, I put just untitled book. And as it was evolving, I was trying to find a, a title that captured the spirit of the book. And it honestly just kind of came to me, and I played around with it for a little bit. I never really changed it, but I asked some people, you know, what do you think about this book? What do you think about it? It kind of sums up exactly what the book is about. I mean, sometimes Theo's journey is somebody dies, but it gives him life to continue to live. So it, it it's very pivotal, and it's very it's very meaningful to me and that sometimes the greatest gains you can make in life are through loss. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jason, many authors in the beginning look to hone their craft by taking ad- advanced courses in creative writing and or joining various writers' workshops. Did you? You know what? I haven't. I, I joined a lot of, like, Facebook groups and just kind of talking to other authors. Um but I'm, I don't know, maybe I, I have a hard time conforming to certain rules. Um, you know, there's a lot of rules within everything. And me personally, I just, it's just kind of natural. I can write. And I'm not saying I'm the greatest writer, but like I said earlier, my gift of storytelling, I, I teach preschool and, you know, pre-K and first and second grade. So I have to tell lots of stories to engage young kids who are distracted by computers and tablets and all that anyways. So I think my ability to just tell stories is something that I was given. 
the writing is coming, and I think I'm learning more just by doing it and trial and error and just asking questions of different people here and there. Um, I don't think I would gain much from a writer's workshop because, uh, like I said, I don't learn that way. I learn I just need to do it. Throw me in the deep end of the pool and let me swim and let me figure it out. So did you do any type of extensive research for To Die to Live? And if so, what did that entail? Um, I didn't research the story too much. I researched a little bit of jazz and, like, the history of jazz. I mean, I knew it, but I wanted it to, to be, you know, because we're, we're talking about two different – there's two different styles. There's the New Orleans style and the, the Kansas City style, and each one has its own little um, – culture about it and it evolved from so I did a little bit of that but as far as telling the story because it was very personal to me and because I can relate to Theo and the stuff he went through it was more just playing off of my like my upbringing and what I've seen and what I've experienced throughout my life um, so there wasn't a lot of research with it um, I do foresee, as I, I, I finished the first draft of the second part of this book, and I started planning ideas for the third. The third part, I'm going to end up having to do some research because I kind of want to touch on some subjects. I want to put Theo in some different situations that me personally I've never been in, but I want to have him evolve. So I can. the research is coming as Theo evolves as a person, as a character, as a being that's where it's going to go. <clears throat> On your book's Amazon page, you write, this book is a very personal story. I took elements from my own life, some from my friends, and some are just fiction to create a realistic story that deals with loss, teenage struggle, and growing up. Jason, can you tell us in what way this story is so personal to you and why? Yeah, growing up, um, I, I, I grew up in South Phoenix, um, and it was it was considered, you know, the the bad part of town. Um, it was kind of looked down upon. It's, you know, a lot of gang members, a lot of drug dealing. Um, I knew all of the gang members. I knew all of the drug dealers. Um, it was just kind of emerged in it. So having having grown up with that, I've I've experienced lots of loss. I've had lots of friends, you know, killed in drive-bys. I've had lots of friends that, you know, have went away to prison and to jail. And, you know, so in that sense, in that Theo's sense of growing up with loss and with losing people, you know, I've had friends whose, you know, parents have, have, you know, single parents who are working three jobs to support them and they're running the streets because they don't have any supervision. And so I know that. I know that part of it. And that was the emotional part. Writing the the scene where the one character dies in the book, I, I actually was tearing up as I was writing it because I was reliving the emotions I was going through you know, when I was younger and going to these funerals and putting people that I cared dearly about and I loved to death, putting them, you know, in the ground and just living as a memory. Um, you know, my mom also died, you know, 15, 16 years ago when I was still relatively young. So 
for Theo to go through the loss of his mother, once again, was something that I've experienced. It's something that I know what it feels like to, you know, not be able to pick up the phone and call your mother and tell her you love her or tell her about your day. And so in that sense, it was very personal to me, the, the sense of trying to overcome your situation to improve your lot in life is, is a struggle a lot of kids struggle with and a lot don't make it. And I'm fortunate in that I was able to make it out, go to college, play football. Now I'm writing a book. And as I reflect on it, I, I'm hoping that I can give some inspiration to at least one kid who's in a similar situation can identify with Theo and go, you know what? It's not, all hope isn't lost. There is a path for me, you know, to make it, to, to be something. Wow. I tell you, you're inspiring me right now. <laughs> well, yeah, thank what you. What an inspirational story. You're welcome. So Jason, you have graciously agreed to read a part of your story for us. Can you set up the piece before you read it? Yeah, this is going to be, um, it's towards the end of the book. Um, when Theo has decided to to move away and to experience something different. And this is kind of related to me also. I grew up, like I said, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, population, you know, four, five, six million people. I ended up going to college in a little town in Kansas called North Newton, Kansas, um, population of about 800, and then it doubled when college was in session. So I went from, you know, being one of the only white kids in the neighborhood in Phoenix to going to Kansas to just being out of my element. And this is kind of where I threw Theo at. Theo has, he's decided to go to college in, in Kansas. He's decided to um, take the jump and leave his surroundings, what's comfortable behind him because he feels this is what's needed for the next step of his life. Okay. Um, so starting here, the um, his best friend Draven has, has been killed, and he's kind of built up a relationship with his grandmother, and the grandmother's kind of giving him advice and stuff. And <clears throat> this is Theo. It start, it, the whole story is told in first person, so it's from Theo's point of view telling the whole thing. <clears throat> he goes, I got a part-time job at a supermarket by my house. I saved every dollar I made sticking it in a jar under my bed. Once a week, I would deliver groceries to Draven's grandmother, and she had sort of adopted me as her own. We were both filling a void. We would spend hours around her table talking about life. I felt fortunate to be benefiting from her life and experiences. When I grew up, women couldn't do much outside the house, she told me one day. I had dreams. I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to see the world. Her face lit up as she talked about her dream life. Why didn't you pursue it? I immediately felt guilty for asking such a personal question. I married young. I was expected to keep the house clean and have dinner ready. You could tell she was reliving her youth in her mind as she talked. The only singing I ever did was while I was cooking dinner, and once I had a family, the opportunity never presented itself again. I felt sad for her. She never had the opportunity to follow her dreams. She was stuck in a life that she never imagined would be hers. She was too strong to expect sympathy, though. She was one of the strongest women I had ever met. 
She had taken me under her wings and was treating me like her own grandchild. It was nice to feel this type of love. If you ever get the opportunity, don't waste it. Get out of here and see the world. There was a seriousness in her voice as she spoke to me. This world is too big and life is too short. Live without regrets. I couldn't help but get caught up in what she was saying. Draven's mother was around more now also. I didn't talk to her much, but I think I reminded her of her son, and that wasn't a bridge she was ready to cross at that moment. She was trying to clean herself up. It had destroyed her that she missed his funeral, and she had vowed to change. It was a rocky road she was walking, but she seemed determined to succeed. Only time would tell. I wanted her to succeed, if not for her, but for Draven's grandmother. All summer, I saved and scrapped my money to help pay for school. I received some scholarships to help help offset the cost, but most of it was paid for with loans. I owe lots of money and be in debt until I was 40, but I had to go to school. I had to leave the neighborhood. I didn't think my family really understood what I was doing or why. It didn't matter to me, though. I had to leave. I had to get out. I left a few days before classes started, and I never once looked back. I settled on a tiny school in the middle of Kansas. It was different from the town as any you could find. It was in the country with farms, and it was quiet. I was a city boy. Concrete, tall buildings, noise were, were what I used that were what I used to what that was what I was used to. The bus dropped me off outside the school. <clears throat> As I walked up the long road towards the dorm, the building towered over me, looming like a medieval castle. Big, strong, intimidating. I was scared. I was excited. I was in college. I made my way up to my dorm and checked in. <clears throat> As I was shown my room by the RA, tears filled my eyes. I stood in the doorway of my room. It was bare with just a desk and an old metal frame bed. But by any way of thinking, it was plain. But I loved it. It represented freedom and an opportunity to grow up. I had a chance to be a man. I was ready to make my mark in this world. As I sat on my bed reflecting on where I had come from, I couldn't help but smile. I had made it halfway to my goal. College was a means to an end. It was my path that was going to allow me to reach my dreams. I put up a picture of my mom on my desk. She would be so proud of me getting here. She always wanted to go, but chose to put her family first to the detriment of herself. Next to her, I put a picture of Draven up. It was one his grandmother had given me a few weeks after the funeral. I would use him as motivation. I was not going to allow anything to stop me. I was ready to set the world on fire. I hadn't always thought this way. Draven was the spark that motivated me. For that, I would always be grateful. I was ready to conquer the world to make a difference. I was ready to live. And then that's where the book ends. Wow, man, that was great, man. I was locked in with you, man. That was so good. So let's talk about Jason Hershey, the person. Now, you mentioned mm-hmm. growing up hard in Arizona. Um, what about your early, early childhood? How was that like? You know what? I was fortunate. My, my, I was one of the, you know, there, there was lots of families, but I had both parents at home, and I was, you know, able to, when I would get home from school, my mom would be there. So there wasn't a lot of running the streets for me. There wasn't a lot of um, opportunity to get in trouble. 
Um, my parents kept me really busy playing sports and, you know, my brother and sister. So we, like I said, we knew who the troublemakers were. They were our friends. They were, we had grown up with them, but it was never anything that I was ever really tempted to join, to get involved in just because my parents kept watch over me. Um, and like I said, we grew up as one of the few white families in the neighborhood and that was on purpose because I remember my, my dad telling me, you know, when I was really young that we would always know what it's like to be white. We needed to know what it was like to live with other cultures and other people who didn't have what we had. And that was always a mark that set with me because, and I think that's maybe where my empathy comes from is that I'm able to relate to a lot of people because I was put into a different situation and I loved it. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Um, people look down on South Phoenix, and to me, it was home. It was It's the most beautiful place in the world. There was, you know, different cultures and different, you know, ethnicities and different religions all within the same, you know, neighborhood, and those were my people. Those, that's where I grew up, and it, it kind of shaped me into the man I am today and, the like, the beliefs that I hold true to myself. <clears throat> what were some of the books? and authors that inspired you in your youth? My, my two favorite books of all time, which I still read to this day, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the best books ever, um, and The Giver. Um, and, and I think I see a lot of, and, and by no means am I putting my book on those levels, but they deal with acceptance. They deal with trying to fit in. They deal with conforming to society. Um, they're books that just, they touch me in a way that I live through those characters. I live through Scout on, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. I live through Jonas on um, The Giver. I, I I feel their pain. I feel their plight. I I cringe along with the decisions they make. I, I replay some of the decisions they make. Would I make the same decisions if I was them? And I try to bring a little bit of that to my books just because that's the feeling I want to give people when they're reading it. Yeah, I can understand that. Those are, those are great books. Um, so we have a lot of authors, writers, and up-and-coming writers and first-time writers who want to know about publishing. How do you publish? So... Jason, how did you get your book published? Did you go mainstream, independent, or did you self-publish? And were there any challenges in the publishing process? Um, I decided because I was so new to it, and I'm I'm kind of a control freak in that I I want things put out a certain way. I want the the image of my I wanted the cover of my book to look a certain way. Um, so I went the self-publishing route just because I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to do it. I didn't, it's really hard nowadays to be picked up, you know, through a traditional publisher. Um, so to me, that was the way I wanted to go. I have control over it. But then the downside to that is <clears throat> everything falls on me. The success or the failure of this book is solely on me. I kind of like that idea, but it's kind of scary because there's still waters that I'm navigating that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not the greatest marketer of books. 
I'm not the greatest, you know, user of social media and that kind of stuff. Whereas if you went traditional publishing, you know, there would be, there would probably be some guidance on that, on how to do it, you know, publishing or, um, you know, um, promotion and that kind of stuff. So it's a give and take. There's pros and cons for both of them. Um, Self-publishing for me worked. But it might not be what's right for it. It just depends on what your threshold and your tolerance is for rejection and pain, because there's a lot of it in this business. Jason, I know your book is about teenage life, specifically teenage struggle. My books are also about teenage struggle. What is it about this period of our lives that makes the well basically bottomless source of fodder for storytelling material? I think because at this age, everything is brand new. Um, you know, as you get older, you kind of get set in your ways. You kind of become uh, jaded in the way the world is and the way that people are. And so when you're, as a teenager, as a young adult, as you're growing up, you know, starting high school, everything's new and fresh. And every decision you make is still, uh, you don't know the outcome of it. Um, you know, you don't have that experience, but that experience is what makes life fun and what makes life interesting. So I think <clears throat> to me it's important because I can go back and relive decisions I made when I was little and, and younger and at that age. And there's lots of things I would do over if I had the second chance. There was, you know, at this point I would do this instead of this. So I think to play with that and to put your character in situations that maybe you made the wrong decision to put them in the right decision and to kind of play with how that outcome would be and what that growth would be to me is very interesting and it's, it's fun and it, it can help a young adult who's reading it, the teenager who's reading your book that maybe you'll give them something to think about their they're, you know, faced with a similar situation, and you can present a different way. Um, you know, we all kind of like to think that we can motivate people. And me being a teacher to begin with, I, I try to motivate and mold minds all the time anyways. So I try to bring a little bit of that in my book, and I, I want people to connect. And I, and I want when teenagers read it, I love when my, my – you know, junior high kids at school read my book and they say, my gosh, I couldn't put it down. I, I understood. I was going with it. I just, I want to give kids hope in, in my books. I want them to know that, you know, it's okay. Life is long. You need to enjoy it now. You need to have fun. Um, because before you know it, you snap your fingers and you're 45 years old with a kid, you know, and a family. And <clears throat> some of the the decisions that you wish you could have done, you can't go back and change anymore. Um to me, it's fun to play with that and see what the outcomes would be. Let's talk social media. I see that you are on some of the media, such as Facebook and Goodreads. Jason, of the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand? And which, in your estimation, is the best for authors? Or does each platform offer its own special compensation? I think each platform offers the opportunity to connect with a potential reader. Um, you know, Twitter is, is really popular now, but you're limited by the amount of information you can put on. 
Whereas like Facebook is very specific and they have to get to a specific, it's not just going to pop up um, like, like on their feed, but you can, you can do more, you can present more information. Um, I try to navigate between the two of them. I try to, you know, I use my Amazon page a lot to try to direct people to that, to some of the reviews. I use my Facebook page as a way to connect and to bring people kind of into my world. And then Twitter is just a way to, I use that more to connect with other authors, other bloggers, other, uh, I, I don't really use that to drive my sales so much as I use it to drive reviews and other stuff that could potentially turn into sales. Um, but like I said before, I'm not a master marketer. I'm not a heavy, heavy, I use Facebook, but I'm not a heavy social media user. So this is still new stuff to me and I'm still growing and learning and, you know, trying to get better and to be more efficient in it. Um, so I think for authors, there's opportunity in all of it, regardless of what you do. But a lot of it is in, in how you present it and how you get it out in front of people, you, you know, your demographic that are, the people who are going to be interested in your book. <clears throat> There is a major school of thought that feels in order to be a good writer, you have to be an extensive reader. Do you agree? I do because it's the – I love to read. I, I love to read. I, I'm more into mystery books and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, is, can, you, can you be a good writer without – Sorry. Can you be a good writer without being a great reader? You can, but I think it helps because it helps you to to develop the the ability to catch on to a reader, to hold them, to tell a story, to move the story from point A to point B to point C. Um, you know, because you you get to see what works, what you like, what you don't like. There's been lots of books that I read that I didn't much care for, and I know that in my writing, that's kind of what I want to avoid. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big James Patterson reader and his, his books are like the chapters are very short. They're very, they get into detail. They go, they go, they go. That's kind of how I envision my books is people just get in, they get engrossed in it and they read it and it flies by. And before you know it, you're done. Other authors, you know, um, Stephen King, and I love Stephen King, but he, he can get a little wordy and, you know, the books kind of drag on the scene just drags on. Some people love that, some don't. Me personally, I'm not big on that. I end up flipping through a few pages and you know to get into the action. So I think it helps develop how you write and what you want your readers, what kind of um, like trip you want to take your readers on. But I think it's possible to be a good writer without being a reader, but I think it would be definitely more hard or definitely harder to accomplish that goal. In closing, as an accomplished fiction author, what advice do you have for new and up-and-coming writers? Is there anything you learned from your journey that you wish you knew before you started? I wish I would have started years ago rather than waiting till now. Um, it, everybody has stories in them. Everybody has life experiences in them. You know, and, and you, you get into this, it's kind of like teaching. You don't get into this to make, to get rich. Well, everybody wants to make money, and it would be awesome if you could. 
but most of us get into it because we love to write. We love to tell stories. We love to take our readers on the trip with us. So I would say if you've got a story in you, write it, put it out, and live. I mean, that that's the main thing that I is if you got a dream and your dream is to write a book, write a book. Um, don't I, I me personally, I don't spend a lot of time looking at the rules and conforming to what the you know, everybody else does. If you wanna write a book and it's forty five pages long and that tells your story you know, too many writers get caught up in how much their word counts and what the pages are and stuff. I don't do that. I just tell my story. And if I can tell my story in, if it takes 80 pages to tell the story or it takes 200 pages and I can tell the story and have readers come along with me, you need to do that. And don't spend a lot of time worrying about whether what rule A or B or C is you're, you're reading. Do what's true to you. Write your story and just enjoy it. It's it's fun. It really is. Writing stories is fun. Yes, it is. And as you said, when we get the uh, young ones coming up and say how much they loved our books like you and I have, it, it is nothing better. So what's next for Jason Hershey? What other irons do you have in the fire coming up? I have a I have a children's picture book which I have written or written and I am in the process of trying to I'm I'm trying to find the right illustrator to bring my children's book to life. Um it's based off of um stories that I tell my classroom. I decided to start recording them. So they're very uh, they're very engaging, you know, you have to when you have three, four, and five-year-olds sitting in front of you, you have to tell them a story that's going to keep their attention. Um, so I got that. Um, like I said, I finished the first edit of the, the second part, the continuation of Theo's journey as he goes to college and deals with um, some more loss and some more heartbreak and some more, you know, on the path of finding himself. So I have those two. Hopefully those two will come out here in the next six or eight months. Um, and then I started, you know, just kind of getting some ideas for Theo's continuation. I, Theo is endless in where I can take him because he is so young and there's so many situations that I want to put him in. Um, so we're going to run with Theo until Theo decides he, you know, the character tells me he's done and there's nothing else I can do with him. Sounds like a great plan. Uh, so contact information, Jason, how do people get a hold of you, follow you, um, give out any websites or your Amazon page, and just give ways for people to contact you. Okay. Um, my Facebook page is uh, www.facebook.com slash Jason Hershey Writer, J-A-S-O-N-H-E-R-S-H-E-Y Writer. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the real Jason, the real Jay Hershey. Um, I'm also on Instagram, author Jason Hershey, and my Amazon page is uh, author Jason Hershey. And that leads you to the link where you can buy the, the Kindle and the paperback book. This has been the Funk Soul Cafe with me, Robert Batista. One of the easiest ways to peer into my soul is to download and read my free micro story called My Baby Has No Name from Smashwords.com. My guest 
has been author Jason Hershey, and his fantastic book is called To Die to Live. Make sure you order your copy today. I will close with an ancient proverb. They thought they could bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Thank you so much, Jason, for being my guest on the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We, we had a great show. Uh, have a great rest of the evening. Thank you. You as well. Bye now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.